0: to those whom Peter calls shepherds and to those whom he calls sheep. 1 Peter 5, 1 to 7. You'll want to follow with the reading. You'll want to keep the Scripture handy for the message will be dictated by the text and we will simply discuss this morning what the Word of God says. Therefore I exalt the elder, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger likewise be subject to elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Bow with me for a moment with an awareness that the purpose of worship is communion with God and that the purpose of all communion with God and the end of all communion with God is commitment, I ask every worshiper just now to ask God just what it is that He has for you from His Word today. I ask you to go to God on behalf of others that they might hear that as this preacher will be anointed by the grace of God for His Word, so that our ears, every one, might be anointed for the hearing and the receiving of that Word. Lord Jesus, speak to us. Show us Yourself and ourselves. Teach us what we must do. Draw from us that which pleases You the most. And at the time of invitation, I pray that some will be saved, that some will plant their lives in this church to serve in this vineyard, that all will leave closer than when we came. I thank you that you will, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought of how often it is that we use animal illustrations when referring to each other and referring to other people? Have you ever seen uh, at some athletic event, perhaps a wrestling match or a football game, and someone will turn to his companion and say, My, oh my, so-and-so is strong as an ox. Or still yet, in the heat of turmoil, a man may say to his wife, God forbid, honey, you're stubborn as a mule. We may say that someone is as crafty as a fox or has that given way to talking of foxy ladies. We're always using animal illustrations. And you know God uses animal illustrations too, but typical of the difference between God and us, when God uses animal illustrations, He talks of them in two categories, those of His people and those who are not His people. And when referring to his people, he uses the illustration of sheep. And to those who rebel and will not follow him, he uses the illustration of goats. It is interesting that God could have chosen from the realm of nature, from any of the multitude of things he had created to illustrate if he wanted us to understand. He could have said, we are the cattle of his field. He could have given us dignity and said we are the eagles of his high places. He could have said we are some other kind of an animal. He could have said that we are burden bearers. We are the camels of his caravan. Or that we have majesty and we are the lions of his jungle. But he did not do so. And when he chose to speak of us as his people, he calls us sheep. Now, sheep were well known in the ancient world, but so were many other animal forms. The sheep's character remains unchanged through all the years of history until the things we know of sheep from history and from common experience are always the same and are always true. Sheep are helpless animals. They do not have the horns of a goat for protection. They do not have the thick hide of many animals to ward off pests or to protect them. They do not have anything with which to defend themselves. Sheep, if they are to survive, must be an animal that is cared for, that is utterly dependent on a person, on an individual who shepherds them, provides their need, keeps them from danger, determines what and when they eat and where they rest and what their activities are. I am persuaded that God Almighty is intelligent enough to have chose a different illustration if that one was not valid, but I believe that it is. Over and again, His Word talks of us as sheep. And it is no put-down. It is no condemnation. God to call us sheep. Rather, it is merely a recognition of our humanity, a recognition of our needs, given to help us understand what we are and to help us understand more clearly the provision that God has made for our needs and for our care and for our protection. In this passage of Scripture, the metaphor is brought forcefully to our attention of the sheep and the shepherd. And we are given a proven task. He singles out those whom he calls in this place elders and shepherds. In other places, they are called bishops. The word presbyteros, elder, the word episkopos, bishop. The word poimen, shepherd, are used in regard to the New Testament church and the relationships therein interchangeably in the writings of Luke and Paul and Peter and in the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so here we are given a proven task a task handed down to us by God, a task for which there is no review board, for which there is no revision, for which there is no appeal. It is the direct command of God and we must as His children obey Him and operate according to His Word. The task of the shepherd is to lead. The task of the sheep is to follow. Let us simply examine this passage, honoring and accepting it as the very Word of God and see what it has to say to us. In verse 1 through verse 4, here is what I have called warnings to shepherds. Peter was not bashful and neither was Paul in many places to tell us as God's people this is what God requires and it is up to you to perform according to the will of God. And in this passage, Peter gives direct orders to those whom he calls shepherds and elders. And those orders are to be followed, and the penalty for failing to follow them is seen here and elsewhere. We shall answer directly to God as shepherds if we do not lead the flock in the way prescribed by God through the authority of His Word. In verse 1, Peter positions himself. This is very revealing. Peter was an apostle. Indeed, he identifies himself as such in some places. Peter was Jesus' favored one among the 12 and among the inner circle of three. He could have identified himself as an apostle, one specially appointed to a unique position. But here in verse 1, he says, I who am your fellow elder, the Greek literally says an elder with, a co-elder. And what he is going to say about the function of the shepherd, he is saying your function is the same as mine. If Peter was the first pope, he didn't know. Nobody ever told him. He considered himself to be one of God's shepherds among God's flocks. And it is interesting to note that Peter here positions himself with the elders and said, "'As I function, so are you to function.'" He says that he was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And indeed, Peter followed Jesus to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And thereafter, his denial and repentance, Luke records to us that the apostles and some of the friends of Jesus beheld the crucifixion at a distance And so he truly was a witness of everything Christ beheld and he identifies himself as a partaker of the glory that is to follow. Indeed, Christ has promised those who partake of the sufferings shall also partake in the reward and the glory and the blessings that are to follow when we are faithful to him. Now in verse 2, the command is given shepherd the flock of God among you. The word here translated shepherd is the verb form of the noun shepherd. It is a very unmistakable term. You can look at it in any translation. You can look at it in any dictionary or lexicon. You can look at it in any language into which the Bible is translated, and this is always the proper Translation, it is a command, shepherd the flock. It is not feed the flock. It is not care for the flock. It is not protect the flock. It is not guide the flock. It is all of those things combined. And if we could say it literally, it would be shepherdize the flock. Of God that is among you, this is not unique in Scripture. For Jesus, using the very word "poi manate," in John chapter 21, said Peter, "Do you love me?" And Jesus and Peter said, "Lord, you know that I love you." And Jesus said, "Poimanate, shepherd, my flock." It is not a one-dimensional ministry. It is not a limited thing, nor is it subject to review of men. It is the command of God that all the functions involved by the shepherd with the sheep are to be performed by the ones whom God appoints as elders, bishops, pastors, overseers of the flock. It is the command of God how are they to do this? The Scriptures say they are to do it willingly. Not under compulsion means don't be forced into it. Don't serve God as a shepherd in a way that you feel compelled, not under compulsion, but voluntarily or willingly according to the will of God. One commentator which I read said there has never been a flock of sheep that determined how. How? they would follow the shepherd or if they would follow him. And when the people of God do it, it is a strange sheep indeed. One commentator says Jesus, as he affirmed, would separate sheep from goats at the judgment. Not until then. And when Israel came out of Egypt, a mixed multitude that did not know God followed with them, holding on to their coattails. And as many of the commentators have said, sheep do follow shepherds, period. Goats do not. Merely an observation from God's Word. How are they to do it? According to the will of God. That is, obedient to God, aware that God is the owner of the sheep. In verse 4, he is called the chief shepherd, literally the arch-shepherd, the head-shepherd according to His will, obediently. How are they to do it? Honestly, not for gain, not with a motive of self-aggrandizement or uh, provision or for advancement, but with eagerness. And the word eagerness in the Greek is with a burning desire to meet the needs and to serve the people. Now in verse 3, it says, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. The word lording it over is the word kata Curios Kurios is Lord. According to lordship is what it means. In the New Testament, lordship is reserved for Jesus Christ. It is not allowed for anybody else under any circumstances. And what Peter is saying, remember that you are not the Lord, that God is the Lord. And as the shepherd, you are not a Lord, you are the messenger boy of God. Thus, the standard by which a shepherd is judged is not whether or not he has authority. If you can show me a shepherd in the history of the world who had no authority, then I'll buy it but as one who rules not according to his own whim, his own desire, but unflinchingly, unhesitatingly, according to the Word of God. For the sheep owner, the arch-shepherd, passes down the orders, and the sheep and the shepherd merely obey the orders of God. You see, it says not lording it over. That obviously cannot mean that no one is to exercise leadership because this is right in the middle of a sentence. These whole three verses in the Greek are one sentence. And at one end of the sentence, he says shepherd the flock. And immediately after this, he says these sheep are allotted to your care. And so it is rather a matter of attitude with concern for the sheep with knowledge of God's Word and with obedience to that Word. Then they are to lead by example. You have every right to demand and to expect of people in positions of leadership in the church, whether it is lay leadership or staff, you have every right to expect and to demand a godly example and a life that is ordered according to the Word of God, that is consistent with Christian living, and that is concerned at all points, not with what is right or wrong, but what will most glorify Jesus Christ through their lives. Shepherds are to be an example to the flock. As they lead, they are to lead not according to their own will nor according to the will of man, but according to the Word of God. And in verse 4, he reminds us that all of our rewards and the truest of our compensation comes not from each other but from God. And so it is that all of us as Christians must maintain an awareness that we have not been given editorial privileges over God's Word. We have not been given the right to determine very many things. We have been given the right to obey God's Word. That may be the most Baptist statement that anybody ever made. Article 1 of every Baptist confession of faith that was ever written says the Word of God, the Bible, is infallible and inerrant, truth with no mixture of error, and it is our only rule of faith and practice. Let us look quickly at other passages lest this seem to be an isolated thing and not something with which the Word of God is salted. And indeed, from the book of Genesis through to the last page of Revelation, it is seen that God has always worked in this way. In Acts 20, verses 28 to 32, Paul is speaking to those whom he calls elders, presbyteroi, elders of the church at Ephesus. Uh, By the way, that concept of staff on churches started in the New Testament. Uh, It did not start some later time. Indeed, it was a digression and a turning away from the Word of God that built the the notion that the church hired one man to do everybody's work. That's That's not right. That's wrong. It was never God's Word. He addresses the church at Ephesus, those whom he calls elders in the plural. And he says this, beginning in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd, there is the word, poimenate, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And listen to this. And from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things. The word perverse in the Greek is strange. Different things. Different from what? Different from God's Word. Speaking different things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that day and night for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears." And here again in verse 32 is a statement of what our standard is in the church. What is the standard? Is it tradition? No, the most insidious and damnable kind of heresy and liberalism in history is tradition. When the Protestant Reformation came about, it came about because the church up until that time united in one organization had developed a practical theology and the documents of the church said our traditions are as important as God's word. And the reformers said no, we yield to no creed of men, we bow to the word of God. Verse 32 says, here is our standard, and now I commend you to God and to the Word, the rhema, the spoken Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What is our standard? It is the Word. How will we grow spiritually, materially, numerically? By the Word. And then in Ephesians 4, now the Acts 20 passage is addressed to the elders of the church at Ephesus. So is the passage in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13. And He gave as a gift, as an appointment. He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and teachers there is poimen from where the word poimenate shepherd the flock comes from some as pastors and teachers why did he do this for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Often we say we're all going the same way, we just don't agree on everything along the way, and that's true. But we must never lose sight of the fact that in the church, it doesn't matter what we agree or disagree on, we have no right to disagree on the Word. God said, I want you to grow. God said, I want you to be matured. God said, I want you to grow to the stature of the fullness of Christ. And His method is given in His Word. And that is, God leads His sheep through those whom He appoints to be shepherds. Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, Keller is a South African who was by profession for 30 years a shepherd and a sheep owner. He owned sheep ranches in the Middle East in the region of Israel and other places on the continent of Africa. Keller says a very strange and devastating thing happens when sheep are left alone and they follow each other. He said somehow or other when sheep are left alone, some sheep will rise to the top and will lead. He said, but that sheep, though he is out front, is still a sheep. Keller said he had seen flocks of sheep left to themselves by careless owners. They would go in the same places. They would eat all of the vegetation there was to eat until there was nothing but dirt left. And then they would go in circles in the dirt until the the dirt became rutted with paths and until the ruts became gullies and until the sheep died. God knew that when he called us sheep and his designated appointed method of growth and maturity and service is that as a reflection of his way, as a reflection of his order, we follow his leadership through his word and his men. Then in Titus 1, verses 5 to 9, very clear and distinct, unmistakable. Beginning in verse 5, Paul writing to Titus, who was the bishop, the overseer of the churches on Crete. Paul says this, "'For this reason I left you in Crete, "'that you might set in order that which remains.'" and appoint elders, there is the word presbyteroi, in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer, episcopoi, here Paul equates elder and overseer. In the King James it says bishop. Presbyteroi and Episcopoi. For the overseer must be above reproach as the steward of God. We've encountered the word steward elsewhere in Peter. And the word steward refers to the servant in God's house who is given authority to run the house on behalf of the owner. As God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not fond of gain but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. And notice verse 9 with great care. Holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those... To contradict. Contradict what? The teaching. The Greek phrase is to-didak. didache. It is a phrase in the New Testament used to symbolize or to refer to the teaching of the Old Testament and of the Apostles. The teaching. Here is the standard again. Paul says to Titus, as he said to the church at Ephesus, you are to live according to the Word of God and the elders and the overseers among you are to be sound in the Word in order that they may teach sound doctrine and that they may refute those who contradict that sound doctrine. That is a part of the charge, the charge given to those whom he calls elders, bishops, pastors or shepherds. And then in verses five to seven, here are warnings to the sheep. The proven task of the shepherd is to lead according to the word of God and not the will of man. The proven task of the sheep is to follow according to the word of God and not according to the will of man. For in verse five, here is a play on words. You may wonder, I'm not trying to impress anybody by throwing Greek words around, but it is the Scriptures in their original form which are inspired. And anything that is translated from one language to another loses something. And so to grasp the force of the original, sometimes we need to know what it says. He says, you younger. That is the word neoteroi. It is like our English word neophyte and one who is uninitiated. The contrast in the Greek here is a play on words. It is not young and old. It is younger ones, neophytes, versus presbyteroi. Here is that word again, the elders. He says, you younger, you neophytes, likewise be subject to the elders. The definite article is there in the Greek. And who are they? They are the ones whom he has called elders and shepherds in verses 1 and 2. Be subject to them. The word subject is to voluntarily obey. Indeed, this word in the New Testament about a dozen times is translated obey. Then in the latter part of verse 5, here is a very key and important thing. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Lest anyone think that God has structured a system whereby men rule by whim and fancy, that is not so. They answer directly to God and must live and govern and and lead according to His will and His word and not the will of man. Here is the constraint that is laid on the shepherd. Look at it. He says, you sheep, you follow, and you shepherds, You in humility meet the needs of the sheep. This word humility in the Greek literally says tie humility on like an apron. In the Roman world, the badge of the slave was the slave's apron. It covered his other garments. It was his identification. And wherever you saw the slave, there was no doubt that the slave was a slave because he wore the slave's apron. This is the same word that's used in uh, the Gospels where Jesus in the upper room girded himself with a slave's apron and ministered by washing the feet of the disciples. The sheep are constrained by leadership and the leadership is constrained by the needs of the sheep. Keller in his book again points out that sheep left to themselves want things that they do not need. And the job of the shepherd is not to give sheep what they want, but to give sheep what they need. And sheep are not capable in nature of determining what they need. Neither are shepherds but the arch-shepherd, and the Word of God is able to tell us what we need. Shepherds need to be fed according to their nutritional needs and not according to their wants. Now, I would remind you that Jesus, when he served the disciples as a servant and washed their feet, said, I am among you as he that serves. He said, I am am to serve you. He said, whoever is great among you, let him be the servant of all. Is there any doubt in your mind that though Jesus classified himself as a servant, that he was in charge? Is there any doubt of that? And notice that on that night, Peter said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I don't need you to wash me. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what you need, and unless you let me serve you on my terms, you have no part of me. Jesus categorized himself as a servant, but when one whom he served tried to tell him what to do, he said, I know what you need. Peter doubtless recalls that incident when Jesus said to him, Unless I wash you according to my word, you have no part of me. And then in verse 6, now remember that verses 5 through 7 are one sentence in the Greek. The period is at the end. Verse 6 and verse 7 occur in the light of verse 5. Verse 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. How are you to do that? According to the word of God, according to the command of God, which is that sheep follow the shepherd. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. How are you to do that? According to verse 5, which is by being subject to authority, subject to leadership. We accept principles like this in every area of life. And it has always amazed me a great deal that very often we are reluctant to accept them in the realm of the spiritual. I have cried and wept with parents literally who could not understand why their children were rebellious against authority until God broke their heart and showed them that by their dealings in the church they demonstrated that they had no respect for authority. Children and parents, we recognize that. And every parent, not because he is a tyrant, but because of his love and concern, wants children to be obedient. We accept it in the matter of the wife and the husband in the church. For Paul says everything that Christ is to the church, the husband under God must be to his wife. And the wife is protected and honored and cared for as she submits herself to her husband. We accept that because it's God's Word. We read Romans chapter 13, and the church has always stood for obedience to the law. And we accept that we as citizens must obey the law. We are not for anarchy. We are not for lawlessness. Why then under God should not the church be the world's example? Is it a put-down that God calls us sheep? Or do we really believe that we are equipped to determine a better course for God's work than His Word sets out for us? We accept it in every area of life. Folks who are good citizens, who have good relationships with their husbands or wives, folks who obey the law, must realize that the church is God's laboratory for the world and it is to be the prime and unmistakable example of all that God wants to be, wants us to be, and all that God wants to do in the world. Another passage of Scripture very quickly, Hebrews chapter 13, written to the Jewish Christians in the land of Israel. Here it says in verse 7, remember those who have the rule over you, who speak the word of God to you and consider the outcome of their way of life, imitating their faith. Verse 17 of the same chapter. Here is a word and you can look at it in any modern translation and you can look at it in any dictionary or language of the world. It is a very strong word. It says, Obey those who are given. Given by whom? Given by God. The rule over you and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. Allow them to do this with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable to you. Paul warns his reader, Timothy, seek not to be many masters, for we who oversee, episkopos, who lead, will be counted doubly worthy of judgment if we lead amiss. It is not a human pleasure. It is not a thing of joy or a thing to be sought, to be set aside by God to lead His people. It is a fearful thing, for in the matter of politics, a man may ingratiate himself to the people by doing whatever the people demand. While in the work of the ministry, the minister is told, if you do not operate according to my word, you will answer to me, says the Lord. Indeed, in the book of Jeremiah, there was a shepherd so designated named Hanani Hanani sought the favor of king Zedekiah and Hanani prophesied what Zedekiah wanted to hear. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, Go to Hanani and tell him because you have turned aside to tickle the ears of men, you shall pay with your life. I believe with all of my heart that under God, if I do not order my ministry according to His Word, God will put me on the ash heap or even take my life. I did not write the Word. I merely read it. I did not set the standards. I merely obey them as a servant of the Lord. I do not covet power. I do not see the pastor's position as one of power. G. Campbell Morgan, one of the great Bible scholars and conservative fundamental men of the 20th century, said this, The authority of God is the authority of His Word. The authority of the minister is not the authority of an office. It is the authority of the Word of God that is committed to him. The church of God fulfills its ministry when it incarnates the truth to which it listens. The responsibility of the church toward the minister is not that of obedience to a man, but of obedience to the Word of God which the man proclaims. The church needs a return to recognition of the sacredness of the ministry. There has been an appalling tendency amongst us to degrade and forget the sanctity of the office of minister of the Word. We serve tables altogether too much and are unable to give ourselves to the ministry of the Word. The church must come to understand that those to whom God has appointed the ministry have a responsibility to Him and that the church has a tremendous responsibility of obedience not to the minister as a man, but to the word of which he is the messenger. What is the end of all of this? We, all of us, are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. I am his sheep whom he has designated as a shepherd What does it mean? It means that there is no pressure in all of the world like the pressure that the man of God feels knowing that he is accountable to God for the spiritual welfare of a people and of a community and of their children and of their souls. What shall we then do? Let us join hands and pray for one another. God forbid that our enemies should be those of the household of faith. God forbid that we, when the enemy of God has declared war on the throne of God, that we should be skirmishing with one another in the barracks. Let us follow His Word with an awareness that it is subject to no review, with an awareness that it is subject to no tradition, with an awareness that the most... Godly and wholesome of our traditions have always had their roots in God's Word and with an awareness that in the history of the church, when the church has strayed from the Word, God has always asserted Himself to bring it back within the confines of the Word. And let us beseech the throne of grace that He would use us to reach those around us who have such great need. I do not know your heart, I do not know your need, but I know that that need is met within the confines of God's Word. I know that God, according to His Word, will meet our needs and only according to His Word in our obedience to it. Today there are some of you who need to be saved. You need to trust the great arch-shepherd with your life and your welfare and be committed to Him asking Him to forgive your sins and to live within you. Some of you need to come forward to say, I have been saved and I want to obey Jesus Christ with my whole heart. Some of you need to invest your life in the church and determine to serve Him with everything that you have. Some need simply to pray in a commitment to Him. Whatever God would have you do, you will want to do it today, not of constraint but willingly according to God's will what He would have you do quickly. We stand and sing, I surrender all. Right now, what God would have you do, who will be the first.